Alright, welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. We've got the NIA boys here today. Jack Butcher, founder of Visualize Value and Trunk Fan, me Master Flex himself, writer for Bloomberg, and I'm Bilal Zaidi. Your few Red Bulls in, showing it already. Only got the one. I, I did the uh, Starbucks pouches this morning, but uh can never have enough of the dude, I I won't tell you a story. I was up Starbucks in a friend's pouch? house. Yeah, Do you know dude, your milligram the, the, count for caffeine on a daily basis, roughly? I don't know, man. I, I call it probably the equivalent of three Red Bulls. So I don't That's know what that lot. is. That's, That's well, lot, the last mate, thing yeah. I say is uh, I was visiting some friends in uh, Whistler a couple of days ago, just a couple of days. And uh, everybody has kids and in their mid 30s. And I break out the four pack of Red Bull and they're like, You're what the hero? Is wrong? <laughs> 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 like, bro, I haven't had a Red Bull in 20 years, is what the, the, the host of the house is saying. It's like, what are you doing? I'm like, listen, man. Jack knows that kid life, man. Anything, anything to survive the day, right? It's different. Well, this is it's... writing fuel, though, isn't it? As much as it is for you, like you don't write without dr drinking Red Bull, correct, Strong? I, I, my best writing comes shortly after drinking Red Bull. <laughs> there you go. Cut the check, right? That'd be a great Cut sponsorship. Oh yeah, that's true. That's Big true. Hole. All right, that's let's let people know what we're talking about. We're gonna have to address that elephant in the room which is a meme in a week, which you definitely have to make sure you hang around for that in a second. But today we're going to talk about artificial intelligence applied to Hollywood. Our boy Trung, obviously, a lot of people know he's written a, a, a comedy script in the past. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about how AI could be applied to that process and more broadly how AI could be applied to create creative endeavors. Then we're going to talk about football, my favorite thing here. So uh, Jack's been watching the Wrexham Ryan Reynolds show. Like I forgot what it's called, but we're going to be talking about that idea of basically famous people or people with attention buying assets like a football club and kind of extrapolate that. And if we'll get to it, we'll talk about a European energy crisis because there's a lot going on there as well. We'll definitely we'll get to that because I want to ask... <laughs> I don't know a lot about the UK energy situation, but I'd love to know your guys. Neither are, do we. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. the two Brits on the call are going to rely on okay. history professor trying right, to we'll do that. We'll do but that. let's get straight to meme of the week, boys. We skipped it for a few weeks and there's, this is the only one we can start with. Jack, you, you got this one for this week, yeah? Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Do you want to read out what he says, one of you guys? Okay, Jack's, uh, Jack's on mute, so I'm going to hit it. You're on mute. Go on, it's go on. A, go on it's, yeah. a, it's a photo of Vitalik with a, with a young lady. Uh, it looks like in Asia somewhere. And uh, I'm not going to bury the lead here. He's packing some heat in his pants. I don't and... know if it's in Asia, Mike. He's, <laughs> the, he's... the caption on this tweet says, my entire net worth is in this man's pants. Uh, so I don't, like, listen, this is a PG show. We try to keep NIA PG. But this is just so funny, that, yeah. and uh, just yeah, people for the listeners, just Google or Twitter search uh, of Vitalik, and that's it's gonna be everywhere. That photo, um, just a myth. There's so the many myth literally grows every single day. Literally, <laughs> yeah, literally, unintended. Like the, the, the ETH chart off the back of that image being posted. People, so it's funny. Like people are literally getting liquidated. Shorts getting liquidated from that picture. <laughs> You see someone online. made a cryptocurrency as well? Someone sure made one like off. Vitalik something <laughs> and it's been pumping obviously because what else would it be? That is the definition of a meme long... Uh, oh, dude, oh I mean, there's, yeah. dude, listen, so, so we're, we're way more serious and uh, high class than that just to make these dumb puns, right? No, not even. I'm not above it right I'm now. I'm not going to go long <laughs> Ethereum after seeing that. Why would I go long Ethereum? For <laughs> God's sake. Either way, I mean, that is, is going to stick around for a while. That's like a classic meme by this point. Well, I've so many forever, probably, unfortunately. For, well, or fortunately. I mean, fortunately in this case. Yeah. I don't think anyone, every man, any man's ever been hurt by a positive. Yeah, I don't think he's <laughs> upset about like that. that. Yeah. Um, but all right, boys, let's get on to the serious stuff. Let's talk about AI and Hollywood or AI and creativity. Um, Trung, look, you wrote about this in Bloomberg. Um, you know, you're a lowercase J journalist. We all know <laughs> that. But, uh, you know, it's a really good piece. I read through it this morning in prep for this. But why don't you just let people know, the people that don't actually know that you wrote a script in the past, because I know a lot of people listening would know that. But there's some newer people around today too. So what's the background on that? What was that? 
Okay, so 10 years ago, I was living in Ho Chi Minh City, uh, doing nothing with my life. Uh, but part of that doing nothing was I wrote a comedy film script called The Lose. Uh, so that's The Loser without the letter R. And uh, the, the, the pitch for the movie was that it was a fugitive meets Harold and Kumar set in Southeast Asia. We actually set the movie in Laos because I actually want to go back to Vietnam one day. And if this movie had been made and it was set in Vietnam, I would never be allowed in Vietnam again. Jesus. We were pretty hot right. on, the, on the locals. Not the locals, so you, but like the local politicians. Yeah, yeah. So you sold it to Fox or something, right? Yeah, sold it to Fox. Uh, not going to bury the lead there either. Never got made. Yeah, never got made. But now you're a new Trunk fan. So maybe yeah. there'll be... You've talked about it becoming maybe a TV show. Or you guys were doing a pilot yeah. or something like that. So either way, you're still running with that, which is awesome. But you wrote about this in Bloomberg. So talk about like what the idea was for this piece because... I read it and it was really interesting. It was centered around Corto AI, I think is the name of the company. Yeah. Um, but what do they do and how do they use AI to help people like you write and stuff like this? Right. So the CEO of Corto, uh, I'm probably going to butcher the name, Eve uh, Burquist, he reached out to me uh, when he heard I'd done a script. He'd probably seen my dumb memes on the Twitter. He's like, okay, maybe I'll reach out to this guy and see if he can help me tell the story a bit. But Corto AI comes out of uh, a, the technology center at USC. So USC, actually, you know, Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine, they built like a whole, uh, you guys know that like music uh, school at USC, right? USC is fam famous for a film. And um, a, bit, a bit of the technology they, they took out of that was they're trying to study the DNA of a script. So Bilal, did any of that part of the DNA script yeah. uh, in Justin make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, completely. Uh, do you know what it made me think of? I mean, this is many many years ago but nowhere near as advanced but when you were at school when you would put put an essay in and they would put it through that oh, big yeah. i forgot what it was called do you remember this jack in yeah, the uk what it was called it's basically like plagiarized, plagiarism, right? checker, plagiarism yeah. checker yeah which if you think about it, that was early i mean I, they must be doing some sort of ai yeah. right, i'm assuming um even if it was basic but like now that that stuff must be so advanced now like you're not getting away with it um the copy and paste change a few words doesn't work now but <laughs> but yeah so the, I, I read you had four steps i'm just going to share them out yeah. loud so you can explain some of them if relevant ingest and analyze generate lists of comps social media analysis uh, extract audience segments so Okay. Some of them sound straightforward, but what, yeah, so in just an analyze, I'm assuming that is just bringing in the script into there. Exactly. So to your software. point, like there's already technology, like Grammarly, right? Can tell you what like level reading you're, you're at. Probably very similar in nature because like text analysis is so advanced already. And, you know, like sentiment analysis is super advanced. You can already tell like what the emotion of a script is, right? Like they just take like certain words have negative connotations. Like if a script has, I'm going to kill you, that's probably a pretty serious like script. Right. Um, so the, the side, the, the, the study of language analysis is pretty set. So the part of ingesting, analyzing nothing specific to just Cordo AI. Right. But, uh, the, the, the other parts that you mentioned is kind of where they, uh, claim the secret sauce is. And, what they're saying essentially is like, they're going to combine, okay, we'll figure out what type of script you have, uh, comedy, drama, adventure, and what other film it's like, because they have a database of 700,000 films and they can match it against that. But then now we're going to be using that against our social media analysis to see how you can connect your project and try to make it go super viral, right? And uh, as an and we example- We talked about that with uh, the film, the Minions one, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So- they so something that uh, Cordo has done, uh, they, they call it these viral pathways. They've identified a certain social media communities. And I mean, I'll give you a very intuitive example. Like Marvel can make a, a Marvel movie go viral, like the Marvel community. They'll just meme it into oblivion, right? But basically, there are a lot of these type of communities where if you can make content that engages them, it could potentially blow up. So not to say that you've create an entire script around that. But if you can give them like a, you know, if you give somebody just a little bit, like some of these Netflix uh, memes, like the Tiger King, if you just hit like Tiger King has blown up for Fintwit, right? Like that one line is like, I will never financially recover from this. It's like, if you can give like these communities, like a nugget, it can help blow it up. So they're basically combining the DNA analysis of a script with the social media pathways. That, that was kind of the pitch. Did that come off right? Blah, yeah, yeah, that it? makes sense. And then so so you basically take your script or they take your script, put it into their analysis, and then it, what does it spit out for you? Is it like 
yeah is it like a report or is it like just yeah, insights it's, a, it's like i got like a 25 page pdf he's oh, like damn, here are the sick. comps he's like these are the movies that it's like uh one movie was at uh, the hangover 2 which was a Obviously. comedy in bangkok i'm like perfect yeah uh, they tell you the, the 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 kind of the the tenor and theme or the the personality of your script but uh the two scores they have is one is called uniqueness so what they'll look at the character sets and the type of character arcs they go through and uh, to see if it's similar to any other movie and um mine was too similar that was a problem was and... that character supposed to be you does this no. hit <laughs> that, that would be really tough to that take be... like oh this is a true story based on my life and you're saying i'm less like everyone yeah, else it's okay. like, yo you're just like everyone else right it's like everybody's got this story man good uh, nice try but uh, the other the, so the two scores are uniqueness and interestingness and basically i didn't score well on those and uh i don't did you see who the silver bullet was below yeah i did but you, uh, you go for it it said if there was a conclusion if you had a star, uh, they could make the formulaic film successful. Who was the star? Chris Pratt. What do you guys there we think? Go. <laughs> <laughs> plain trunk fan. <laughs> yeah, plain trunk. So, well, you guys will laugh. The, the main character is actually a white guy. So. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, not I, even that crazy. I had to do that. Listen, I, I'm not foolish. This is 2012. Like I know what sells, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So, yeah, so I guess, so that's kind of how it works. Um, you, you know, we don't have to go into every single detail. You talked about extracting audience segments a little bit as well. But so like the question, I guess, is like, how useful was it as someone who is a creative? And Jack, I'd be curious to get your take on this too, because you obviously are a creative person and you do creative work. Like the kind of two questions I have are like, how useful was it? And um, how much can AI like replace this creativity part? Well, so I wrote in the article, I asked, uh, I asked Kim Benabib, who's a creator of an HBO show called The Brink. I mean, if you ask a creative in the industry, what's their yeah. incentive going to be? They're going to obviously say, like, this is not for me, right? Uh, I think this is actually a good point to ask Jack about his thoughts about arts and AI before I get into, like, Yeah, actually, that's examples. good because Jack's got, uh, Jack, you're creative, but you're also a realist on the technology front as well. Mm. Well, I, th I think film is interesting because... I'm surprised that it downgrades you for it not being uh, it not being similar because we talked about it on some of the some of the older podcasts where it's like there's a hero's journey and there's like this cadence this up and down and maybe you like transpose different events and different characters into those situations but they're all kind of follow a cadence of some sort they're just different you know you swap out certain elements so that would be my my first reaction to it is like i don't know whether that's actually a bad thing like unique films that are like yeah you win a sundance award yeah. or something and then like yeah. it, it goes in a cinema for uniqueness and artistic expression is almost at the other end of the spectrum in many cases from commercial success so it'd be interesting to know like it's a good point what with what intent was the algorithm or the you know the parameters that they're checking for but what what's the intent that it's analyzing for is it like maximum reach or is it like most creative and unique because they're obviously very different but that's a good and question Tr trunk do you know is it based on that box office hits well so like i said it's like, they're like not essentially making, what it's optimizing for right is like there's basically saying the marketability of the film and that's where the social element comes in right i think that i think jack you're completely right and we've talked about it before it's like with memes you want like 90 percent familiarity and then like maybe 10 percent right, right right like you want that implanted in your brain so I don't know, uh, maybe, uh, maybe I misread it. Maybe my script just sucked. Like, <laughs> 10 years ago, man. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't, I, mean, I, don't know, like, I don't know what relationship you have with this person either, Trump, but it's like also, uh, man, somebody has to write the software, right? It's not like, I think that's one of the things with AI that people get tripped it's up on. Point. It's like, they assume that it's like, this thing has like a completely objective opinion on my work. It's like, no, one, a bunch of people who have certain views or are ranking certain criteria are influenced in the way it produces the results. So I think that's another thing where, man, working in marketing, Bilal, you'll know this too. It's like people are desperate for a tool that's just like, let me just chuck something at this and then yeah. it just tells me exactly what to do. And the other thing that that does is like that basically creates a target for everybody to follow so it's like if you're using the same tool are you pushing your script in the same direction as everyone yeah. else and then does that like eventually 
kind of leave you at the same starting point. So I, I, I don't know, a lot of it's, I think there's one thing that I think is really useful is that reading level thing. You know, if you're writing a piece and it's like, this is, you know, fifth, Too complicated, fifth grade right? reading like, level, or, yeah. or I don't even know what the grade system is in America, but you get what I'm saying. Like a kid could read this. That is a very useful piece of information for somebody that's trying to produce something that is widely consumable. Yeah. But all of the more like nuanced, um, human things that I think are difficult. Like the thing that I'm very skeptical of is like can pre-predict virality. That to me is like a crazy promise because I think those things are almost always feel like you can have the intent of, we talked about the minions thing where you get a certain amount of people involved that are talented in that regard, but to like outsource that to something to say, make a viral thing. I don't know uh, how, I don't know how predictable or possible that is. So I would be yeah. skeptical about that. But the analysis of like, who could understand this? What, what like the vocabulary in this thing is at X makes sense to me. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think the example, and I think Trunk's video just went for a second. So I'll keep talking while it comes back. But, uh, oh, he's back, he's back. So yeah, Yo, one of the sorry things- Sorry, I missed that. Yeah, I, oh, no. I, I heard Jack talk about the unpredictability of everything. Oh, no, I yeah. totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to pull out the quote from your um, writer from Kim, the co-creator of The Brink, the one you mentioned before. Yep. And I kind of agree with what she said. She said, what makes a hit intangible... Kim. Come on, him, brother. Oh, sorry, it's a he. <laughs> yeah. It's Kim and him. All right, sorry, my <laughs> bad. Uh, what makes a hit intang uh, is intangible. It's a combination of voice, serendipity, and magic that cannot be broken down into math. And uh, I mean, again, all of this stuff, there's lots of nuance, but like... I completely agree with what like Jack said there, like the tools to analyze, definitely I'm sure can like get better and better and better. Um, but when it comes to like actually creating something, like there can be tools probably that assist, but we're nowhere near at it, like actually competing with the best writers in the world at the moment, in my opinion. And like uh, even a, a simpler example, um, a lot of people are using this in advertising like Jack just said. So, you know, I don't know how many words a script is, but let's say tens of thousands of words or whatever, uh, hundreds of thousands maybe even. Um, but like, yeah, if a two hour film, compare that to a, you know, three second ad read on Facebook ads, right? So there are people using like, was it GPT-3 or whatever? And like yeah. a lot of the open AI stuff. To say, and that one, I can see that actually maybe working a little bit better because it's shorter, it's text-based. I'm saying the text, the images I think is, is interesting. We can get onto that in a second. But text to me seems the most tangible uh, use case at the moment. Yeah, for copywriting. Makes for a lot of copyright. sense, right? It's exactly. like tight and it's like copywriting is very mechanical. And you are using a bit more formula. There is still that creative spark that maybe those genius people can put their input into that and it kind of extrapolates it and creates a hundred versions and they pick the best one or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that could work. But like when it comes to actually creating, let's say a feature film like that, I think we're way far from, but at the same time, who knows in the future what it would get like. Um, what about you, Trung? You, you're going to pull out a few examples. Yeah, no, I just want to add, uh, I just want to say to, to Cordo's credit, like they're not saying they can predict uh, the virality. Yeah. They're just saying like, these are your best odds. But again, that in a way is a prediction. Um, yeah, I mean, selfishly as a creator, as a writer, I am also in the camp of like, I'm not going to get replaced by AI for writing. I feel like there is something magical. Um, William Goldman, super famous screenwriter, wrote Sundance, uh, uh, Butch Cassidy Sundance Kid. He said, nobody knows anything about Hollywood. Not a single person knows for certain what's going to work. It's a guess every time. And uh, I still agree with that, right? We see some of the stuff that turns into hits and don't. You have no idea. Although the two examples I brought up here, Blah, did you, I mean, you got to give credit to like Will Smith, like pre-slap, right? <laughs> like in the, in the late nineties, like, I don't know if uh, the listeners know this, when Will Smith went on that string of hits, I mean, he did oh, it very yeah. simple, back right? Back. He literally just looked at, uh, I think he started looking in the 1995, 96. He's like, let me just see what the 10 best uh, earning box office flicks were. And he's like, eight of the 10 have an alien special effects and like a love interest. And like, he's like, it wasn't hard. Right. So that's why he made independence day. And that's why he made men in black. And then the last 20 years, every number one flick is basically a sequel comic book hero movie or franchise. Right. So there's like a lot in a lot of ways. Uh, it's kind of like what Jack talked about. It's like the uniqueness maybe isn't oh, like the box office gold. The people right? what they want, man. 
<laughs> I mean, the last For people scene... only listening, Jack just made a funny face. You yeah, should have seen that. Yeah, no one wants to be challenged. They want to be entertained. But, you know? but can I just say, Trunk, one thing before you say that? Yeah. Like, I think what Jack said needs to be reiterated. Like, the question of like what they're optimizing for, and I'm not talking about this company in particular, but in general, like if you're someone making films and your number one objective is just to make the most money, there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah. for a lot of people in creative fields, that's not the main reason you're there. Like that's a yeah. big part of it, but you're also trying to create fine, like art in your own way. Like, you know, like something that you love so much that is really, and a lot of the time just almost like elitist and you're like, oh, well most of the population doesn't even get this part because we get it in a different way. And like that part is kind of annoying in its own way too. But I'd just say like, that is a big part of this stuff. That's why I think there's always gonna be room for artists and creative people because they are the ones who spark these ideas that become the new things that can be programmed. But yeah, who knows? I, I could be completely off on the AI part. But well, got, yeah, I'll actually gone. tell you the moment I knew that there's no chance my film was ever getting made. was uh, <laughs> Steven Spielberg made the movie Lincoln with Daniel Day-Lewis. When he went to the studio with that idea, he's like, I'm Steven Spielberg. I want to make a movie about Abraham Lincoln and it's going to star Daniel Day-Lewis. The studio said, we don't think we can do that. That's wild. And I'm like, all right. They said this no guy, to that. Well, a few of the studios says we don't think this is commercially viable and we're talking literally one of the three greatest directors the greatest actor Abraham Lincoln I'm like if that Venn diagram can't get made it ended up getting made but uh, uh, I'm like I don't know if I can pull it off but the last thing I was going to say was the the most systematic way that this is done I mentioned in the article so you probably read it below was there's a the, I don't know if you guys heard of the blacklist but basically, started in 2005 by uh, uh, Franklin Leonard. He was a producer at Leo's uh, production studio before he left to do this project. But basically, this was how he systemized the process. There's no AI involved. He just goes to all the film developer uh, producers in the industry, asks them a survey. He's like, tell me a script you read that you liked that hasn't been made yet. And basically, they compile this list and the, the script that gets the most like mentions goes to the top. So since 2005, uh, they've included a thousand, more than a thousand screenplays on the blacklist. 440 have been produced and four of the last 10 best pictures were on that list. So I'm like, you can systemize this process. Uh, and, and I think that's an example of doing it, but that's a human element, right? You got the humans reading these scripts all day and like kind of giving their input on the, the quality of it. So yeah, I, uh, it was interesting. The entire experience was interesting. That's sick. Um, all right. Any other thoughts, Jack and Trung, before we move on to my favorite topic, football? <laughs> no, no and, great, I think we'll have to come back to all the do Dolly stuff. And yeah, we. How... I'd love to get someone who's like has used it and like knows what they're talking about. I see uh, it everywhere all the time, and obviously, um, NFT world is inundated with the debate about art that's made by hand versus by yeah. AI, etc. So it's a long and deep discussion. Maybe it's a good guest subject, but a lot of the same themes come up where it's, yeah, it's a tool, you can use it, but ultimately, you know, there's somebody pulling the strings and working the technology that has to have an original idea to make it compelling. So yeah, yeah we'll, t we'll come back to it. Yeah, yeah. Trung, well, anything else? Yeah, I was just going to say, I wanted... Uh... I would love to bring a guest on on that front. So listeners, if you have somebody that's deep in there, I think Jack would have a great mono uh, or chat on that front. Um, I just want to quickly talk about the Van Gogh painting because I think it's a perfect example. And so I'm just going to show something to the viewers here. I know we've got a couple of viewers. I'll tell the listeners. So for the, uh, the listeners, I have two of Van Gogh's most famous paintings. Uh, the Starry Night is on the right and the left side is uh, the cafe in Paris. And, and this kind of touches on what Jack was saying about art and the human element. So do you guys notice here in the, the cafe in Paris, the, the night sky? It looks like a pretty normal night sky, right? It looks very representative of what the night sky looks like. And then the starry night, which is actually the third most visited painting in the world. Blah, have you been to see the MoMA a bunch? Uh, yeah. Wait, it's, this is in uh, Utah, in New MoMA. York. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. So, the Starry Night Classic. doesn't really look like a real sky at all, right? There's swirls, there's these big stars, there's... It doesn't look natural. 
but it's his most famous painting. And, and, and Neil deGrasse Tyson had this to say about why he thinks it's the most famous painting. He says, uh, uh, the reason he likes a starry night is because, because it doesn't look like reality. It's not what he saw. It's what he felt. And the entire point of good art is to represent what you feel. Right. And why I brought this up is because the reason this painting even happened or one of the influences behind it was the ca commercial camera technology came out in around 1839. And that's when you had the impressionist art movement like Claude Monet. That's when people stopped drawing to look like reality. Because if you wanted somebody to draw your portrait or have a portrait of yourself, you'd have to pay a painter, right? And you'd want to look pretty accurate. But as soon as camera photography started commercializing, artists were freed from having to do like really quote unquote real art. They were allowed to start using their emotions, right? Because they couldn't compete with the camera technology. Camera is going to capture something more real. And the reason I bring all this up is I feel there's, there's a parallel here with Dolly in that Dolly can create things, but ultimately the expressiveness of a human, that's going to be the, the difference. That's why Van Gogh, he's got over 2000 pieces, but the one that has stood the test of time is a starry night. It's not his realistic looking pieces. It's the one where he's interpreted it through like his emotions. I, I think that might be too deep for NIA, but I, yeah, I, that no, kind of no, blew my good. mind. <laughs> Never too deep, Tron. That's it, mate. Now, uh, just that's the range. We got Vitalik packing heat and uh, the depth of Van Gogh here. So, <laughs> all right, that was great. With that, we'll move on to our next topic, which is all about Ryan Reynolds buying the football club. Uh, is it Wrexham FC? What, what are they called? Jack? Wrexham AFC, I think, is the technical... Uh... Oh, okay. Are they like a lower league club? I, I haven't watched this documentary yet. It looks... In it's the on national my list. League. In the, they're in a national league, which I think is below League 2 in the UK. So it's, it's one like... of those on Championship Manager, where if anyone played Championship Manager growing up, which is trying... I don't know if you know what this is. You're like oh, a I football manager. Championship Manager. manager. It's oh, amazing. Yeah? And uh, I, I almost... You know, I played probably 12 hours a day for many of my teen years. And... <laughs> like all night until early morning and you would get like the, the lower league club and go all the way and win the Champions League this is kind of he's living that dream right now so um, so yeah Jack what was what what has been your takeaway from it so far is it yeah, is it so, worth watching so I, I've only seen um, I think there's only two episodes up right now it's on Hulu I think and FX made it um, but the reason I wanted to talk about it was lot of uh, overlap with the NIA themes, like stuff that we always go back and forth talking about. I tried to look into the deal. I don't know if this is actually the figures, but somewhere it was written that they paid $2 million for the clubs. So it's Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, who is one of the um, main characters on It's Always Sunny. And I don't know what the deal is between them, but they're partners in this thing. And... Basically, the, the TV show starts before the deal. They go, they talk to the board. They try and convince them why they're interested. I think a few people over the past few years have like acquired it, dropped it, like ownership's been in shambles. It's like a working class town in North Wales in the UK has a like really passionate following as a lot of like small clubs do in the UK and Europe. And... Um, but the reason it was fascinating to me was just the profile of the people acquiring it can actually change the outcome. So they pay $2 million, but you know, there's a lot of people that have $2 million that want to buy football clubs, but some anonymous LLC from the States somewhere buying this club does not give Wrexham the same lift that Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney does, right? Because their profile is just insane. And even the little details in there were like, they were reading the kit sponsor ad out. Like, you know, this is like a trailer company in North Wales that's selling like agricultural equipment. <laughs> oh, and, now, that's and Ryan Reynolds was reading the ad copy? That's so good, yeah. What an, ab like, what that an so absolute good. G move. That is yeah, amazing. So it's, it's, it's like this massive arbitrage thing. Like, I'd obviously, like, this is where the, the tension is. Like, they're obviously buying it as a business. Like, they want to they wanna increase the value of the club. They want to win. 
they want like there's probably some ego component to it owning football teams is fun and all that kind of stuff but there's also like they've invested money in it with the and they're very clear about that with the intention of like turning it into a more viable business and there's some like massive tension there because they're also like going in and have to clear out certain parts of the organization that are not contributing to those goals they're not football managers they don't have experience in that world either but because of their profiles they've attracted like a bunch of hyper qualified people to the club which in the same way again another an anonymous two million dollars from elsewhere would not be able to do that or would be much more difficult so they've got like i think the ceo of the or the ex-ceo of one of the british football leagues is now like temporary manager of the club because now he can be on a Hulu documentary, chat to Ryan Reynolds every couple of weeks. Like, the, I think what's fascinating to, it, about it to me is like this is uh, like the very, very top end of the attention economy, right? Or the influencer economy. Uh, another thing we should talk about below is the um, Prime Logan Paul KSI Arsenal oh, yeah. deal. Yeah, There's just yeah. all this stuff happening right now where like all these internet characters and Ryan Reynolds <laughs> internet characters. And his and his mate aren't aren't in that category, right? But No, like, I mean yes. like he has to your point, that, well, I think the thing we have to say about Ryan Reynolds, has anyone channeled the energy of the internet as an like he's first of all, he's a level celeb, right? Yeah, because yeah, of, of Deadpool. Course, yeah. But He's turned that, like you said, this is like the peak of this kind of influencer stuff. He flipped Aviation Gin for 600 mil, right? He owned a mint, he bought into, I don't know what, it, I think he bought a fifth of Mint Mobile, like yeah. a US mobile carrier. Just and the exact same playbook, doing the yeah. ads for that. Sucking all the energy, his, uh, he has a max, max, uh, max result. Maximum result is the name of his marketing firm. Do you guys remember when Peloton had that ad of the, the lady that got the gift? But then, Sorry, bro. But then two With days the later, yeah. yeah, two days later, she was in another ad. She was in an aviation gin ad. It's because Ryan Reynolds moves at the speed of the internet, but can also put money and his like 100 million followers behind it. So he is the master, right? It's like everything you said. And before the call, Jack said that he thinks Wrexham just has this feeling of a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like... Is all the energy of Ryan Reynolds just sucking the attention? I mean, people have done case studies of Ryan Reynolds, but his understanding of how to wield attention is is incredible. Yes, it's um, yeah. from Vancouver like they too. Just go, it's, it's, it's the same idea as like direct to X. It's just like cutting out so much stuff, like where a lot of people at his level would still deal with agent, like company X on this side of the deal, company Y on that side of the deal, where it's like, we're negotiating a contract to do an ad, to do this ad read. Here's my terms. Here's this, here's that. Versus like, I'll just buy the thing. And then I'll talk about it. And the value of the thing will go up. No, it's amazing. It's, a, it's all the stuff we talk about. And but by the way, while you were pulling that up, I, I have about 17 tabs open. I was trying to figure out the value comparable. So the, so the reported fee he paid was 2 million pounds which is close to dollars oh, nowadays okay. anyway, yeah, but yeah, pounds, oh, yeah. but yeah, it's two and a bit dollars, which, you know, in his world is nothing, right? Like he probably has that easily himself, let alone, you know, accessible liquid, let alone like being able to bring other people in. If it, even if it was paid in cash, him and his boy put right. a million each, right? That's n nothing for them. <laughs> a million. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you got, so you got that. And then now if you get promoted from that division, you would get promoted to, EFL League Two, League One after that, and then the Championship, which is one level below the Premier League. So you're like three, four levels below the Premier League. But I, I, I was like, for two million, it doesn't. I thought it could be like fifteen levels low, like Amateur League or something, and it's not. So it's actually quite doable for them to really increase the value. So if they bought it for two million, um, the average. I mean, I'm looking at other. What's the, the, okay, what's the average bought. Premier League club and what's the average so championship? Premier League clubs are like in the billions, okay. right? Like especially the big ones. I don't know about the smaller ones who've just been, you know, um, upgraded. Who've just been, yeah, like promoted to the division. But in the championship, which is only two, three, like levels above them, um, there's clubs being bought. There was one for like hundred million. There was another one for fifty. It looks like. Oh, so like again, it's I, a very yeah, asymmetric so, bet. Exactly, exactly. And considering that they're basically buying 
a distressed asset like in yeah. private equity terms and like putting more attention pumping it getting a new leadership team investing um, now it would be interesting to know given I don't know enough about the financial fair play rules at that level like how much they can actually do in that amount of time because if you look at the Premier League level you've got Newcastle as the the recent acquisition we've, we've talked a little bit about on the pod before by the Saudis and they have unlimited money right like they're richer than the other 10 the next 10 clubs combined or something and then the comp the the guys who did it before is man city and chelsea way before that so the difference is now financial fair play is meaning it's showing it's like restricting what they can actually do so they've invested quite a lot of money but not like chelsea in early 2000s and man city right. they did it like 10 15 years ago or whatever now, like, the, there's an argument to be made they were doing some wrong stuff and, like, giving themselves a sponsorship that counted as revenue and stuff like that. But so maybe Newcastle will find a way to. But, yeah, again, at this lower league level, just the fact they're bringing, you know, Hulu along. Like, I mean, I can't imagine they didn't pay much. Like, they must have paid a crazy amount of money for, for something like this, for access to a story like this, right? It might have paid for the think. whole thing. It might yeah, have too Hulu? Much. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It might have paid more than two million, I'm sure, because it's him. It's like he's a superstar. So, like, that might have paid for the whole club itself. Um, so, yeah, interesting, really cool well, let me idea. Actually, uh, let me bring up the Crowley Town FC. Do you guys do you guys remember the Wagme United stuff? Oh, yeah. 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 So, another uh, Trunk Fan Bloomberg special was a chat with the, so the, 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 the founders behind Wagme United. So, Wagme United... Uh, for the listeners, this is Edge of the Internet. Just for all, for all you listeners, yeah. been itching to hear some Web3 stuff. Um, so it was founded by a former ESPN gambling analyst, Preston Johnson, and a derivatives trader, Eben Smith. So they bought Crawley Town FC. This is uh, Blau, this is EFL 2. Okay. So three beneath Premier League. Yeah. So the guesstimated price is 20 mil. Some of the investing team, which is 30 plus people, uh, Gary V's on the investing team. So is uh, a Philadelphia 76ers president of operation, Daryl Morey. So they're doing a similar playbook to how Jack described. They're sucking the attention in, right? With like, uh, this, here's a quote unquote distressed asset uh, that a Crawley Town FC, I don't know anything about Crawley Town. What, what, give, what do you guys know about Crawley Town? Cr Crawley oh. is like a small little, if I'm remembering correctly, it's like, is it south of... London or something like that, but it's like it's like within distance to London, but it's kind of a little small bit town. further out. It's a small yeah. town, yeah. So yeah. this club is 126 years old. I know how much Jack loves history, and uh, so Wagme United is a group they own. Uh, not a, no individual owns more than 10. percent So they're trying to do the whole web. So I'll pitch you the Web three playbook that they're trying to do. Right, they sold uh, five million dollars worth of NFTs. So as an example. That's more revenue than Crawley Town FC did in the last three years combined. So they've already brought more money in, right? And they compare that to, I mean, below on the list, remember the Liverpool NFT drop? So Liverpool thought they'd make like 11 million on NFTs. I think they made less than a mil. It's just like, the idea is that Crawley Town is saying, listen, we're bringing Web3 people to football, but like, if you're a football fan, do you actually you care about NFTs? You don't. And in fact, if anything, my, my understanding of it is people are very anti like, yeah. cause they had socios, I think it was, and like right. clubs doing like Arsenal coin, Chelsea coin, and like even just listening, you know, I listened to like so much football stuff and like- Did you get all... Arsenal coin? No, I didn't get it either. Cause I was like, there's not much, I'm not really getting anything. What was it this. offering? What was it, it was offering like, you can vote for like what songs on before the game or like something <laughs> stupid. Like, and it wasn't even, I don't think it was even that much. Like it was just right. weird stuff like so that. So that's what so. the Crowley guys are saying. They're like, listen, all these other like Web3 efforts, like it's a wrong approach. It's like people are already skeptical of Web3. You can't just shove it down the throat. Yeah. But they bought this and team. They're like, we want people that care about Web3 to be involved. And like, this is interesting. So I love Bilal's thoughts more on like this. A community. It's, yeah, it's more like a community coming together, whether that was in this case, you know, wag me people, you know, crypto people, or if it was like, you know, people creating a random city in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Like it's the same idea, but just like there's a shared community essentially. So hey, try, uh, hey. Jack, you are gonna say something as well. Yeah. I was just gonna say, I think a, like why these two projects that we're talking about have more compelling value propositions because there's more upside. There's more above them. Like what, what's Arsenal gonna do? 
Like, oh, maybe they'll like go from like being in the top go five. Go back the to Premier the top, League. baby. Oh, no, what do you mean to be invested? Like, oh, like why there's would way more room to run? Yeah, there's way more room to run. It's a story. Like, it's a story. You feel like you're getting into the ground floor versus like. Arsenal doesn't need your money. Liverpool doesn't need your money. Like LeBron James is an investor in yeah. Liverpool. You know what I mean? Like it's not, um, it's not a compelling story, even if Liverpool is something you love and the store, like the club's heritage is something you're invested in. Like you being financially tied to that, it's more like buying a, like an ETF or something. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, maybe it'll go up in value. <laughs> two percent a year for the next 10 years but it's already at the top of the game yeah. it's a safe bet versus yeah i'll chuck a couple hundred bucks at this experiment that is going to really benefit a community and a club and a stadium and a team that doesn't have these resources and then that attention can then snowball into all yeah. these other effects that like, again it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy um and they have built in like not even fandom it's like supercharged right people's identities are wrapped up in this in a way that yeah. like a business a, tr a traditional business is not um is very very hard to get that level of um attachment and relationship with people um unless your business is i mean even like incredibly successful businesses like people hate them you know like <laughs> Amazon. People hate like, Amazon. Um, oh, Amazon's my identity. Right? On Saturday, I go out and like spend my time like cheering up Amazon vans as they go past. You don't do that. But like the there's something really interesting about a business that isn't particularly viable that has like a connection with its customers. I'm saying that in inverted commas, fans of a club. I think that's always kind of been at odds in the world of sports. Right? There's there's a uh, you have a fiduciary duty and this thing has to be economically viable to put the games on every week. It's not a charity, but at the same time, um, it's not the same relationship you'd have like as a, like a company that produces goods and sells it to customers. It's very Yeah, different. yeah. No, it's like the most, like I hate to use this word that I remember learning at school, but like inelastic demand in economics, right? Like price, yeah, yeah. In, you know, there's price <laughs> elasticity. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like literally the, I will, everything that Arsenal puts out, I'm buying and I'm Doesn't like- Doesn't matter what the paying, price is. Like right now, the prices for tickets for Arsenal specifically, you can't get a ticket. Like it hasn't been like this for years because the atmosphere and every, every, they're doing really well. And it's just, people are paying like so much more like f like last year i went and i could get a ticket so easily how much and people how much last year you know, you, i would pay like the the normal kind of price that it was you know sold for which is like 60 or 80 pounds or something like that which is actually high for the uk right yeah because in london or whatever but you know compared to like buying on a secondary market because they don't really allow you to do secondary market stuff in the past i got bumped and paid like 400 or something what? um and uh like how many games have you been to arsenal games uh, um, i'm not sure i've lost count but probably okay, okay. like like Real? uh no, i mean I, I was episode. never i was never um yeah yeah i was never a season ticket holder um growing up unfortunately it was too expensive but um and then by the time i actually made money i kind of left so it was always like when i yeah. would like go back and stuff so every time i go back i have to book the arsenal ticket before i book the flight because i have to see what's available because that's part of the Pri priorities you gotta get a priorities right yeah <laughs> but um, I, I was gonna bring one more example by the way john green who's a youtuber and also a novelist who wrote oh, a hank green's in the stars brother, right hank green's brother yeah yeah amazing youtuber guy as well um and he made you know that book that became a film great he movie bought AFC Wimbledon or he at least like saved them from getting relegated or something happened oh, a few years ago. he also did the Ryan Reynolds move? This was eight years ago. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if he bought it outright. I'm like skimming it. I remember when it happened, it was kind of a cool story, but he's actually an AFC Wimbledon fan. Like he wasn't just like some, he was a fan right. from growing up randomly. And That's AFC legendary. Wimbledon are some tiny team as well. So it was kind of a fun, fun story. Um, no, but yeah, sick, man. Then, um, I think football football Dow is definitely something that could happen, man. Well, I mean, brought, two million is not here. that crazy. They brought the conversation up. Said none of these leagues would have probably allowed the Dow, right? There's ownership rules about how many people can be involved. Yeah, I definitely don't want people in a Discord <laughs> telling me who to pick the team. So. Well, here, this is what I was going to tell uh, Bilal. So Wag Me United, the investing group that bought Crawley Town, this is what they allowed to happen with NFT holders. I'd love your thoughts on this. They're allowed to vote on the position to spend the, 
the basically the free agency transfer fee, transfer yeah. budget yeah so That's they, they put up a for vote they said uh you can pick a goal t- a goalkeeper defender midfielder attacker just pick one of those positions we'll end up still picking the player the vote was allocated 50 percent to season ticket holders there's a thousand of them 50 percent to nft holders uh there are i think about ten thousand. grant and listen the big criticism i read i read through some of the uh twitter comments the fan, some of the local fans are not super happy, right? Because like, yeah, yeah. a lot of these, a lot of these hadn't even heard of, don't even know what football is. So, yeah. How do you feel about well, here's that? The way they here's the way they could have done it differently: is like, okay. you could have distributed that ownership back to the fans that were already fans, right? Not just invite speculators to take control mm. of the club. Yeah, like all these people that have been buying tickets for thirty pound a week for the last. 20 years are now beholden to like a bunch of knobheads on Twitter and Discord. <laughs> well, no, to be fair, they're saying 50-50, right? They're saying uh, season ticket holders have 50%. So I don't know if that's enough. Oh, fair enough. So they did do that. So they okay. did do that to, yeah. to some extent, but like, that, I mean, that's a great gesture. So <laughs> maybe I should take that in my preview. Well, he takes away did. the knobhead. But... <laughs> well, actually, just to be fully fair, because I don't want us to get in trouble for this one, but Jack, they also lowered the local ticket prices with some of that money. So, oh, that's sick. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah. No, they're that's doing cool. legit think, moves. Like, so, sh- so I don't know why they're getting the feedback that, you know, people externally uh, right. sway in the vote because they could technically, they should, I mean, they could have given them 51% maybe. Yeah. Well, so I think my, it's just tr- annoying. Well, uh, if there were fifty percent of like NFT holders telling Arsenal what to, what, what to do, I well, think <laughs> So my opinion is this: is that given ownership is cool if people want it. Like the argument is like some of these clubs, like bigger clubs, have been public companies at different times. So mm. you could technically become uh, a shareholder. I know like Man United for a long time had that. I don't Barcelona know. Barcelona too, right? It's like Barcelona maybe, a- yeah. I don't know the full details now because they're all in terrible financial... Um, Barcelona's financial situation is absolutely insane. Uh, they haven't like paid one of their players like 10 million euros or something. I think uh, Mario something. just wrote something about that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah he wrote the Barcelona thing. Yeah, the journalist guy for people who don't know Mario. Um, but yeah, my thing is similar to what we've talked about on this pod like throughout the time we've done it is my opinion is like something like a football club like the random person should not be deciding what happens as someone who's qualified and knows a thousand times more than me should yeah. it's fine if you want to get people's vote and like get a sense of sentiment or say oh this is what the fans think about like oh they really are not enjoying the stadium experience they want us to improve that like give them a chance to share their opinion that is really important I'm just saying like let's say I ran vote a football club trucks or something. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly like they, they can tell us um, like this is I remember Kat Cole this lady said to me you have a voice but not a vote that like stuck with me forever because we were talking about like, managing people and how when I first managed people I was like struggling to make sure everyone felt included but also saying like well I'm the person who's supposed to make this decision and that is just stuck with me it's like a summary like you get a voice but not a vote and I think for something like this is like football fans yeah tell us what you care about like we, we already can't know what you care about you care about winning and a great fan experience and like drop some fire kits once in a while yeah so I can are, like look well, fresh kits is a good one the kits is a good shout too yeah like yeah let people that's, that's cool yeah if you couldn't yeah if you could get like um, people involved with, with some of that that's kind of an, if anything you actually pre you know um, market market marketing validating exactly that's what I was thinking so th- those things make sense but if you're saying tell us which position we should be buying for <laughs> like no like stupid, yeah. The, yeah, the manager and the coaching staff and the, the, nowadays well, the technical director so should salty. know yeah and well, it's, uh, always yeah. You, it always, it's always like even the big biggest fans of the club like everybody thinks they have the answer right like yeah, armchair yeah we experts. need to be doing this we need to take this person <laughs> off at half time yeah. So you haven't got, they haven't got a clue. You haven't got a clue. Yeah, every exactly. single one of them saying something different. So you just end up nowhere. Like somebody Imagine has to those all in the, the Discord. Decisions too. Yeah, it doesn't hey, listen, make sense. I don't want to have to bring up Michael Siller every, every episode, but these fans know enough to hurt themselves. Exactly. There you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. Boys, it's, I actually found... Like, um, Go on, go on strong. I'm no, I'm saying, this is a perfect example of this. This is a perfect example. You know enough to hurt yourself. Yes. Oh damn! Look at them values, man. So Business Jack pulled up the team, Here we go. the team values for, uh, uh, for English football clubs or no European top football. twenty? No, no, just top twenty football clubs in the world. I think it looks like a real legit. So I was Forbes. Sorry, originally I thought it was some random yeah. site because it looks so plain. 
Well, I don't know how, like, I don't I know. I think this the, is probably accurate. Right, right probably, off some prices. Close. Let's talk about these prices. I mean, the uh, values. Hit em, so Real hit em, Madrid, 5.1 billion value, 761 million revenue, 90 mil operating income. Not bad, is it? Yeah. Barcelona is losing $17 million there. <laughs> but it's worth five billion. Incredible, man. Incredible with that, like, brand to be in yeah, that position. Yeah, it's insane. It? It's crazy. Man United... Nice. Uh, oh, yo, PSG. Look at PSG losing a hundred mil a year. Yeah, oh my it's God. insane because they're so just the bankrolled. Yeah. List, at the bottom of this list, there's a few like lower tier uh, Premiership League. Sorry, Premiership teams. Aston Villa, Leeds. Hey, shout out Chef. You probably listening. Chef, West Ham, yeah, yeah, West Ham fan. Nine hundred mil, bringing in forty two. But yeah, so Bilal, you're right. Like, um, like just shy of a billion mark is. But like isn't entry it crazy? Like the top league. twenty. I don't oh, know yeah. what year this is from. This is probably like last year's data. Mm-hmm. But of the top twenty, look how many of them are English Premier League clubs, which is crazy. Because if you yeah, think, a good amount. Like, yeah, I mean, more than half. It looks One, like or like two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. You're right. You're right, Bilal. And, and that I bet this year it's even more because basically the state of football right now is all the European leagues are really struggling. Like everyone was struggling from COVID because no, people weren't going to stadiums. They're not buying tickets, beer, and you know, um, food, shitty pizza in the stadiums, right? Um, and then obviously, like there was a pause as well for the for the thing. So a lot of them just got hit. And now the only thing that's keeping afloat the the Premier League is like the TV rights are just crazy. And, and like America's because chucking money at it, yeah. America's chucking money, like even in Asia, like so everywhere. It's like incredible what's happening, and it's the most competitive it's ever been. Is in my mm. opinion, anyway. I, I can't think wasn't of a there time. Some crazy wasn't there NBC or something? Just I think it's a billion dollar deal for rights. Probably. I can't remember who it was. But yeah, like, it's crazy, huge. And now money. you'll see like teams like West Ham. Aston Villa leads that I mean West Ham just bought a player for like 60 million pounds as a striker that some of the other big clubs are trying to buy like that never happened before and so like AC Milan one of the biggest clubs in the world historic clubs probably isn't competing in that level so it's just um yeah really interesting like the Premier League Mm. how crazy rules in it that's another good uh that's exactly the point of your whole segment here exactly all right boys anything else here apart from saying we need to go and buy a football club because that would be i mean two million makes me feel like we can make it happen we throw in a couple (laughs) eve yeah yeah Yeah. we could probably raise that from the telegram group boys yeah, I feel we're gonna, like we're there's a few. We can from uh, a, a banana NFT of uh, our boy Vitalik. Can you have banana NFT? Jack, get to work and mate. Get... I'll get on it after this, boys, yeah. All right, uh, but yeah, great, great discussion. Um, Trunk, anything else before we move on to the last bit? European yeah, energy crisis. Last one. Let us know what you think of this segment because I know I got a little hype there with the football chat because secretly I just want to have a football podcast as well. Yeah, so, if it's gone. Uh, well, my other thing was going to be, um, they just built the biggest f- soccer only stadium in Nashville, just down the road from me. So I've been going to a few in games. The world? Watch your mouth saying soccer in though. The in the USA. <laughs> in the USA. What's, 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 what's uh, uh, the MLS team in Tennessee? In, in Nashville, it's Nashville. FC? FC? Yeah, uh, you and Theo Vaughn just sitting there SC. sipping they on soccer club, don't they? Smoothies, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but mate, they did an amazing job in that stadium, and uh, quality's going up. MLS is uh, becoming well, watchable. Well, the other, last thing I'll say on that is the other example to look at is Miami uh, FC or whatever, Bex. and Beckham is really involved with that, and he's done a great job of like getting. Obviously, he came and played at LA Galaxy, and now like. It is actually a really interesting thing. There's probably more upside in MLS than there is in oh, yeah. some of those leagues, like you said. Um, oh, man. And here, like, people have gone nuts for this. This is, like, the first season that they're here. And it's, like, almost every other person you walk past on the streets got the hat, the, the shirt. Like, it's, like, there's, like, captured this demand that already existed. It's very bizarre. And Let American fans like. applied to football or soccer is so... I was watching the Arsenal <laughs> game in a bar this weekend. And uh, man, like the way they're going hard is so funny. It's amazing. Yo, these uh, these Nashville FC jerseys are pretty tight, man. Yeah. Yellow. Yeah. How the hell does yeah, Nashville nice. have a hockey team? That's my question. 
The Predators? Predators, mate. Smashville. Do people, is it, is it huge? That's yeah, huge, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. good lord, Big man. sports town, like Titans, they love the, oh, they yeah, love yeah, the yeah, NFL fair enough. too. Mate, big sports town. We're it's gonna cool. move on. We're gonna move on. The last thing I'm gonna say to my kits, I have to give the boy, the Arsenal boys a shout. Look at this drippy away kit, man. Jeez. Jeez. Look at that. That is Adidas <laughs> drip. That is like you can see gigs yeah, wearing that. You can see like uh, I mean the the rapper, not the footballer, obviously. But anyway, right. uh, people love yeah, Giggsy. Giggsy, yeah. Apart from his wife. All right. So anyway, so uh, sorry, sorry, that was a bad, sorry, that, that was a bad one. Might have Antonio, to beat that one out. All right, let's move on to the last section. Europe. Talking about uh, terrible things in Europe. Here is what is going on in the European energy crisis. Trung. All right. This is like I actually had no idea what was really going on. I've just been seeing the memes. Like I kind of caught it. So I, I, I didn't reach this for you guys. But here's a meme that just absolutely rattled me <laughs> from liquidity Jesus Christ. for the listeners. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a photo of a, a guy looking quite submissive to a, his partner. And it says German quite boyfriends, submissive. German boyfriends when their girlfriends are from Russia and can provide electricity this winter. That Incredible. we might have to get that bleeped out because that is so savage. No, but, uh, that's perfect. What's happening? Captures what's going on. Yeah. I'm just going to hit the TLDR on the energy crisis. Cause, uh, I just have to boogie in a couple minutes myself. Well, actually, Trunk, uh, can I just say the 10 second thing? Obviously, yeah. we're laughing at meme. I will say it's absolutely terrible what's about to happen oh, to Oh, yeah, the energy crisis is awful. Yeah. In, and like, no, I mean, like, literally, old people in the UK and Germany, like, they're not, a lot of them are not going to have heat, and it's terrible. So, like, obviously, I'm not laughing at that part. But the meme is jokes, so we can, we oh, can yeah, have both we're not laughing here. about that at all because, listen, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, with uh, Europe constantly has, I mean, you guys were telling me about this. I didn't realize. So, you're saying Europe, AC is just not a thing. Mostly not, no. Yeah. And it's just like the summers have been getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And this is the first reports. summer I've ever heard people saying I'm buying an AC. They ran out okay. in the UK because it was really, really, it was like 35, 36 degrees Celsius. And the, even obviously higher. the reason is because temperature wise, for a decade, you didn't need AC, it right? It didn't get that hit hot, yeah. Okay. So the energy crisis, this is a bit, obviously a bit more serious. Um, the numbers you guys were just sending me, these charts, we just saw electricity prices are up 1,400% against the average for the last decade. This is in Germany. Uh, the nat price of natural gas is up 10 times since last year. So super quick, three reasons of why it's happening. Uh, Russia is a big part of it, but it's not the only reason. So we've briefly mentioned about gas problem, which is Russia's natural gas giant. It feeds energy to Europe. And that relationship has obviously become very complex and complicated since the, the Ukrainian invasion. And what's basically happened is that every year Gazprom goes offline for maintenance, but this year they've been using that bit more as like a political tool to, to kind of fight back against the sanctions. So Russia is withholding 20% of gas versus what it did previously from last year. And then the heat wave that you mentioned, the heat wave is actually doing something crazy with the water so the water levels are lowering in in the rivers in europe and you guys actually sent me that information too and what that does though is two parts if you're not getting gas from russia you need to replace it you need to have to get imports of natural gas from around the world or you have to get coal and you need those two because europe has been shutting down its nuclear plants right so germany shuttered a bunch of its nuclear plants after uh fukushima uh about a decade ago the, the accident in japan and Lower water levels mean the river has more traffic and you're unable to move uh, uh, the coal to the right cities. China and India uh, in parallel are buying up all the coal. They're creating the coal and kind of keeping it for themselves. And waters also need to run power plants, uh, nuclear power plants, because the water cools the reactors. So the few reactors that are there, they're not being cooled properly. And, and then the last part is this, is they haven't built natural gas terminals to replace energy in Europe. So this is like a multi-year situation. Um, this might be too serious, boys. We should probably cut no, it. I mean, I mean, I will say, I mean, this is terrible, but I will say our, um, we were sharing this. Let me just pull up. This was our boy Kobe was sharing this and we talked about this a little bit in the, uh, in the group chat. I mean, this is the sort of stuff that's coming out now, right? Like you're getting these, these, uh, 
right up. So what is this? Is this Bloomberg money or what? What do you reckon, Trump? I think it's the Telegraph. Is it Telegraph? But yeah. there's stuff like this because, I mean, it's really terrible. There's like a cost of living crisis in the UK and, and many places. But like, this is not cutting it, man. How to save £28 a week from October is essentially saying go and work and shower in the office. Like that is, we're in a terrible place if that is the sort of stuff that is... Uh, it's being shared, man. It's terrible. Um, Trung, anything else on, on that, mate? Because, uh, yeah, you kind of explained what's happening, but is there any like hope for this? Is there, that, how is this going to be gonna reversed? Have to be a multi- they're going to have to build the terminals. They're going to have to turn on the uh, uh, nuclear power plants. I'll, I'll leave it with this. It's like, this here's a tweet that Elon did on uh, about uh, five days ago. Uh, I think you guys might have seen this, but he tweeted countries should be increasing nuclear power generation it is insane from a national security standpoint and bad for the environment to shut them down like the environmentalists just completely took over germany uh they were at the whim of the russians and and this is kind of a consequence of that they shut down the nuclear reactors never built uh uh liquid natural gas terminals to receive natural gas um but yeah dude this is obviously this is not even like I, I can't even pretend to really yeah. know this. I, I do a We've lot of pretending, sh- but this one is uh, far enough out of my realm. I don't even want to pretend. But uh, um, yeah, that's you're gonna have to build. You're gonna have to turn on nuclear do you, reactors. Do you think it's build. just a political thing that like people have this instinctive feeling when you say nuclear? They wor- they Greens think of took like over. Yeah, it's just like if you look at the actual statistics of coal versus nuclear. What has caused more death? It's not even remotely close, right? Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like you said, it's the branding of nuclear is re- very poor. We need Ryan Reynolds to get involved. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds could fix it. Well, actually, so like... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, that was a great, that was a great way to well, bring some light to this terrible yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah that, that got a little bit serious, but uh, yeah, I, I got nothing more to add to that. So That's why I was going to watch football, gonna, mate. That's a... I was going to do the NIA hook uh, into this. We got to give our boy Michael Saylor a shout out on this. The Bitcoin the powered Tesla. nuclear plant. <laughs> no, no, the, te- the sugar powered Tesla. There's a there's a nugget of truth in that where like the generation of energy and technology like assaulting this problem head on is the only way out, right? Yeah. Plus the the true cost of energy, like energy is security. Like this is the thing that I think will i think will strengthen some of the bitcoin narrative too where it's like when shit hits the fan the thing that matters is access to energy right everything is derived from energy everything yeah so like that idea that you can get away with man it just seems it just seems insane like some of the relationships that have been negotiated and some of the dependencies that are in place like you feel a little bit cheated by the people who you pay to have your survival totally like in their hands and uh it's just it's it's just not good it's just not going to have good repercussions for the relationship between people and governments and it's also like the flip side of it i hope that what comes out of this is like technology is the answer to this problem right it's like you have to attack this from the perspective of solving the actual problem as opposed to inventing a talking point that makes people feel nice inside the politics right yeah the let's just call a spade a spade right like uh greta thunberg like what a what an idiot she's an idiot it's like she's just like somebody's trying to make people feel and like do this page but like it's insane. It's absolutely insane. She does not understand a geopolitics, energy policy, and people just bought a hook, line, and sinker. I would say less. So her, the more media. the people who are making decisions no, and yeah. are taking her, her yeah. point but they of view. But use her as like this, like yeah, she was example. used, right? That's the reality. She was. Yeah, she she's a kid. Doesn't understand like, yeah. that she was being used. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. To push these political agendas. But and, uh, that's what it is ultimately, right? Like, because Jack, to, to not challenge, but to build on your point, like you said, technology is the answer, and I agree. But a lot of it, like a lot of the technology is kind of there, it seems like. But the real problem is like the will and the prioritization of making it a thing, true. which is that's partly, true. you know, which is, you know, one is like, instead of saying we're going to, um, this is topical so it's coming to my head but we're going to put 300 billion or whatever it was to this student 
um, mm. you know, relief. I, I don't even know if that was the right number, but yeah, to this, we're gonna actually, you know, inflate our economy for other reasons, you know, like we're gonna do it because this is the most important thing. My opinion is, like, I obviously think this is a massive, massive problem, if not the biggest problem that we're all facing. Um, but the truth is, until it's hitting you in the face, you don't you don't change your behavior and that's both at individual level and a governmental level and the incentives for both individuals and government are pretty short term so when there's a global pandemic and you're worried about dying or there's a monkeypox thing going around where you don't want to look crazy right with monkeypox you get your act together you don't do certain things right and we all were able to do that straight away slash the governments were able to get everyone involved and say we're gonna have to shut everything down etc etc that was for something that obviously was a problem obviously but this is a systemic problem that could affect billions of people literally it will affect billions of people maybe it already is so but just thinking of that in the future is not enough so until it starts slapping people in the face unfortunately that's the only time people actually start taking action and that's like maybe human behavior i don't know um, so yeah, I, I don't know what the solution is, but every person I speak to who knows a million times more than I do on this, because I know almost nothing. Like I did a couple interviews on Create Lab for it, and I had dinner recently with a McKinsey guy whose job is renewable energy, and he's got like a PhD or something in it. And I was asking about nuclear because I said I've heard like basically on the All In Pod or somewhere else talk about it, and when I did a podcast on it, they were saying nuclear, and I was like, what? I didn't even think of nuclear for ages. And he was like, yeah, the minimum is they should just be using what they've already got. If you're not creating new ones, that's, you know, that's already a win. Like just to use the stuff that we've already got from the past. Don't shut down the ones that you already just got, don't right? Just shut down, and yeah. Shut them down and import coal. Um, yeah, exactly. Guys, I got to boogie quickly. Uh, I'm, getting, right. I'm getting laser eyed. No, it's all good. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think we were at the end of this anyway. Trunk's got to go pick up his kid and uh, do his daddy duty. So um good chat today boys thanks for being there, everyone for listening your support sharing this with your friends in the group chat that's how we keep growing this thing sharing on twitter cutting the clips all this great stuff we really appreciate the love and support and uh, if you're new here make sure you subscribe on youtube and all the podcast apps um and we will see you next week on the next one cheers peace peace out